welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church weekly sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 1st of December 2013, entitled Wait for the Lord, and the Bible reading is Psalm 130. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, if you'd like to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, we'll be reading Psalm 130, verses 1 through 8. The psalmist says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee, that thou mayest be feared. I wait for thee, Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Father, thank you again this evening, Lord, for the wonderful privilege that we have, Lord, of looking into your word. And we pray now that as we take these next moments, we do pray, Lord, that you would take and speak to our hearts that which we need to hear this evening. Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open to that which you have for us. We will give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory. For it's in Christ's name alone that we pray. Amen and amen. The psalmist, as he is writing here, of course, just reminded me, and maybe maybe this is for me more than, than, than anybody else. You know, sometimes the... Uh, uh, sometimes the, the Lord needs to get through to us preachers as well. Um, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that we recognize and, and, and understand, it was funny as I was preparing this because, you know, it's something that doesn't happen very often, and that's that, uh, you know, I, I preached from this passage this morning at, at Kingsmead, but with a totally different approach because of, of their need and their desire and looking for a, for a pastor at this time and trying to be an encouragement to them. But in our own lives here at Bethel, of course, the truth is, is that any time, any time that God is blessing, any time that God is moving in lives, the devil is going to fight. The devil doesn't want that. The devil doesn't want us to be a unified force. The devil doesn't want for the work of Christ to be effectively being done through this place. And of course, the more that we're blessed, the more that we're in tune with the Lord, the more that we are truly in tune with each other then the greater the Lord is going to be able to use us. We find that uh, certainly there seems to be an awful lot of battles going on lately in a lot of people's lives with all kind of things that the devil tries to discourage. But I just want to remind you of a few things this evening because, you know, most of us are not people that are prone to waiting. Uh, it's just not the society that, uh, that we live in. Uh, we're used to... Uh, to fast-paced lives in the in the in the fast lane of life, and we're used to everything being uh, instant. Whenever we want it, we want it right now. We don't want to have to wait for it. And of course, I have to confess that I find even myself a lot of times I find it I find it hard to wait for something once I know where I'm going and I want to get there. Uh, it's like you know a lot of times even when we have headed out on a journey or something. Well, you know, my, my wife and my girls, they, they like to kind of stop along the way and have breaks here and there. Me, if I know I'm here and I'm getting there, man, I, I'd just drive straight through and not stop anywhere unless I had to for fuel. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times it is, uh, it is of benefit 
uh, to pause and to wait. But everything as we look around us, you know, we, we not only want it fast, but if we're not careful, uh, those things that do happen when, you know, we're, we're maybe struggling with something and we're praying about something and then, and then suddenly God works it out and then you know what? We want to take the credit for it. Well, I'm glad I did this or I'm glad I did that or I'm glad I did this. And we like to feel that we've been able to, to take this thing, this, this bull by the horns, as they say, and to tackle it and, and to do our bit to be able to, to sort it out. But, you know, pride is a terrible thing. Um, you know, what I would just like to remind you of this evening, this is not something that's new. This is not theologically deep things. It's something simple that often we need to be reminded of because we all get discouraged. Uh, you know, your pastor gets discouraged sometimes. Uh, it could be discouraging for all kinds of reasons. Uh, I've talked to several people this week, you know, that uh, are struggling with things, and, and it seems like that, you know, that sometimes I, I just get so frustrated. I wish that it was possible, Brother Steve, to just, to just take the devil by the throat and just strangle the life out of him uh, because you see him disrupting so many lives and, and, and destroying so many lives and, and taking people's joy away. And, and so many times Christians get to the point they're just kind of existing and coasting along. You know, they haven't quite got to the point to where they, they know that they can't just throw up their hands and quit altogether, but they don't, they don't feel like doing anything either. They don't feel like going on. And, you know, they know that the alternative to, to, to let go altogether is worse, but sometimes... The strength is just gone. You don't feel like you can hold on much longer. Sometimes the fear is overwhelming because we see so many bad things happening and we see so many things coming against us that the, the fear can begin to build up in us and we're expecting the worst. We're, we're expecting things to fall apart. We're expecting things to happen bad or not to happen good. And, you know, the devil loves it. He just sits back and he just absolutely laughs his head off at us. Well, I want to just remind you here this evening as we look at this psalm, I want you to notice, first of all, just in the context as, as David is writing this song, you know, first of all, he says, out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. You ever prayed some of those prayers when, you know, you're going through the motion, your, your, your mind, your head, it's, it's saying the words you know you should be praying for this and praying for that. And you kind of go through those words, but there's nothing in here. <laughs> you know, the first thing we need to realize here is David said, out of the depths of my soul, I'm crying to you, O Lord. I mean, he was crying out to the Lord from within. And I think, again, it's a lesson to be learned because so many times, so many times when we're calling out to the Lord, we can just kind of get on autopilot. Maybe we even... Oh, there's my chapter a day that I, that I should have read. I've read my passage. I've spent my time in my Bible. We kind of get into mechanical mode and we go through all the things and we, we pray for this person and that person and we pray for our church and we pray for our friends and we, we just kind of go through the motions and it's all there because we know. You know, we've been programmed. We know what we're supposed to pray for. We, we know what we're supposed to do, but it's not coming from our soul. First thing we see here is David is crying out to the Lord. He said, from the depths of his soul, Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Lord, I need you to hear what I'm saying. I need to know that you're there. I need you to hear me, Lord, and listen to me. But notice what he says next. If thou, O Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? God, I know 
I don't have the right to ask anything of you. I mean, the truth is, Lord, if you were just looking at me, if you were marking us because of our iniquities, because of our failings, because of our sins, you're not going to hear a thing I've got to say. You see, sometimes the devil will come to you and he'll try to convince you that the Lord's not going to hear your prayer because you're just not close enough to him. You're not good enough. You're not living close enough. He don't care what excuse. As a matter of fact, a lot of times he likes to really dig back in your past and just throw all those things up there that you got under the blood a long time ago. But he wants to keep reminding you of them, even though that God said he was going to put them as far as the east is from the west, he was going to cast them into a sea of forgetfulness never to be remembered anymore. I heard a preacher say one time, and I think there's probably more truth there than we give credit sometimes. But sometimes we go back to the Lord and we say, Lord, I've got to ask you to forgive me for this again. He says, what again? What again? You know, it's already under the blood. It's gone. That's not to make light of this, but it's to remind us of how powerful the blood is, how powerful that God's grace is. The psalmist is going, and he's crying from his very depths, Lord, you got to hear me, Lord. I want you to hear my prayers. I've come before you. I know. I know I can't come on my merit. I know that, that Lord, if you were marking me for my iniquities, you'd probably just blot me out. But he says, there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. You see, we forget about that forgiveness sometimes. Thank God we don't go to God on our merit. When we get to that prideful state that I was talking about a while ago where we're wanting to take credit because we're handling this situation and we're living this Christian life and we're doing all of these things, we're the one that's cutting the Lord out of it. The truth is, is that we don't deserve anything. But boy, in Jesus Christ, we can expect everything. Why does the Bible on the one hand show us that we've got to come humbly before the Lord? But on the other hand, he says we can come boldly before the throne of grace. The boldness only comes in Jesus Christ. But that's what we've got to remember. That's what we've got to, to grasp a lot of times. I know you mess up sometimes. I mess up sometimes. We all mess up sometimes. And we ought to do better. And we ought to feel bad. You know, the, the, the thing you've got to worry about is when you quit feeling bad about where you've messed up. You know, sometimes we blow it. We just maybe speak out of turn. And we know we shouldn't have said that. We look back and we think that, you know, we, we did this and we shouldn't have or we should have done that and we didn't. You know, it kind of sounds like the Apostle Paul when he got to talking in the circles, didn't he? <laughs> he knew he wanted to do good, but when he wanted to do good, he desired to do good, but he did bad. Evil was present. You know, the thing is, is that we all fight those struggles with the flesh. But what I just want to remind you of this evening is, folks, God is still on the throne. Now, you know, one of the amazing things, now we know that many times, many of the Psalms speak to us, many of the Psalms even draw such a, a vivid picture of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross when we know that, you know, we were talking many, many, many years before that Christ even came in, as we sang in that song earlier, into this world. But the amazing thing here, this is King David. And Brother Steve, King David was not in the same position that we are. King David was not in the situation that we as believers are today to have God living present within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ has already died on the cross. It's already been paid for. They were still looking for it. They knew the forgiveness was there. They knew that promise was coming, but it's done. It's finished. We've got to remember 
But no, we're not. We're not worthy to ask anything. But we sang about it tonight. The truth is, is that God loves us in ways that we can never understand. And the psalmist is talking about it right here. Out of the depths, Lord, I need you right now. I need to know that you're there. I need you to hear what I've got to say. I know I'm a bad person. I know that I mess up, but I know of your forgiveness. I know the forgiveness that is mine in Jesus Christ. And notice his next words. I wait for the Lord. My soul, that same soul that was crying out to the Lord, my soul doth wait. And in his word do I Oh, there's so many things there. <laughs> Men make us a lot of promises. You know, I, I, could, I, could, I could come to each one of you right now, and I could take you by the hand, I could hug your neck, I could look you straight in the eyes, and I could tell you that I would never, ever purposely, intentionally do anything in this world to hurt a one of you. And my desire would be that I don't care what kind of problem you had or when it was or what time of night it was, that I would be there for you. But the absolute truth is this. Somewhere along the line, I would let somebody down, not because I want to, not because there's any desire to, but because I'm human and I don't know what God knows and I can't be like what God is and I can't be all the places that God can. But we don't have to worry about that with God. And the psalmist knows that as he's going there. You see, waiting doesn't come easy. We want it now. We want the answer right now. We don't know what to do. Sometimes we're so confused and, and we just don't know what option. We don't know what choice. We don't know what to do. And, and we get so frustrated. We want the answer right now. We're going through a battle. We're struggling with this. We're struggling with that. And we want it gone now. We want it taken care of this instant. See, the thing is, is that I know that we, we get all hung up on this time thing, but we've got to go back and we've got to think as as the psalmist did here, because I just want to give you three simple things. And these three simple things can make such a difference in our life. You know, one of the things that we struggle with for all kinds of reasons, they could be physical, they could be spiritual, they could be mental, they could be all kinds of things. But just sometimes having the strength to go on. We get weak. We get tired. We find that Isaiah chapter forty. Verses 29 to 31, one thing that you'll get if you'll wait upon the Lord. Now, listen, when I'm talking about waiting upon the Lord, I'm not talking about just sitting down and giving up and procrastinating and not doing anything because it's a good excuse to be lazy. <laughs> when we talk about waiting upon the Lord, we're talking about waiting before the Lord. Ooh. Waiting in His presence. So when we talk about waiting upon the Lord, I'm talking about spending time with him. The psalmist was there communicating to the Lord from the very depths of his being. And his trust, he says, and in his word do I hope. So what I'm talking about is waiting in the way that the psalmist is meaning this in context that we're crying out to God from the very depths. We are God's and he is ours. And our hope is in him and what he's told us and his promises, not in the circumstances, not in the situation, not in what we see, not in what we feel. It's in what God says. You see, waiting before the Lord is waiting 
It's waiting before the Lord that you'll be strengthened. Isaiah put it this way. Chapter 40, verse 29 to 31, it says, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Listen, he says, even the youths shall faint and be weary. What's he talking about? Well, if there's any amongst us that has energy, it's the youth. You know, as we get older, it's something that we seem to have less and less of. But he said, even those that are the, the most fit, even those that are the strongest among you, he says, even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even sometimes, they're going to get weary. They're going to get tired. Whether you're the most spiritually strong person or whether you're not. He says, and the young men shall utterly fall. You know, I don't consider myself an old man, but I'm smart enough to know that I can't do some of the things that I did when I was 20 years old. <laughs> I can't do, if, if they put me out there to do some of those things that I had to do in boot camp, I would die. There's no way that I'd be able to accomplish those things. Then it was almost a game sometimes. <laughs> I'm sure it wouldn't be no game now, I can promise you. <laughs> the truth is, is he's given us an illustration here, a vivid one. You know, those young men, when they're their most, their most their prime, their, their most fit condition physically, he says, they will utterly fall. But, oh, I love these next words, and I know you've heard them many times, but I just want to remind you this evening that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, he's comparing to those that wait upon the Lord from those things that he's just given us. You see, he's talking about, first keep in mind, if they wait upon the Lord, they will renew their strength. Well, that means that there was a strength that was there that's not there anymore. The only way that something can be renewed is when something's been lost. You see, he said he giveth power to who? To the faint. To the ones that had strength, and they lost it. To them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But... In comparison to that, they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. An eagle is one of the most majestic, beautiful sights that you'll ever see when you see them up there just, just soaring above everything. You see, here one minute... They're fainted. They're on the ground. They're down there. They've got no strength to go on. The next minute with the Lord, they're soaring above everything, praise God. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, he says. Well, before those young people, they were fainting. But here he says, they shall run and not be weary. I wouldn't run very far before I got very weary. <laughs> but here he's talking about running and running, running, but not getting tired. They shall walk and not faint. That is to them that wait upon the Lord. You see, their strength is gone. But waiting before the Lord, that strength will be renewed. The psalmist also says in Psalm 27, 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. 
a lot could be said. But what I want you to realize this evening is just like physically, I don't care how fit you are. There'll be a time when you can only run so far. You know, do you know how much work that, that a person puts into being able to go out there and, and even run in a marathon race? Even after all that. Not taking that marathon runner and put him in two marathons back to back. <laughs> the truth is, is that no matter how fit we are, in ourselves, we have limitations, Brother Steve. In ourselves, we will get tired. But the Lord never gets tired. <laughs> His strength is always there. He's talking about here, okay, there's going to be times you're going to feel faint, you're going to get weak, you're going to feel like you've got no strength left, but wait upon the Lord. He will renew your strength. He's the one. He's the one that will give you the strength when you just don't have it to go on. You see, it's waiting upon the Lord. I, there's some things that just cannot be explained. You've, you've, you've heard me talk before about, you know, how do, we, how do we explain heaven and hell? The Bible tries to give us descriptions of these things, but we can't even begin to comprehend either one of them because one of them is far, 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 far above anything, the most beautiful, wonderful, perfect things we've ever seen that are all touched by sin and tarnished by sin. It's so far above that that our mind can't even go there. It's got nothing to compare it to. And the other is so far below any horrible, terrible thing that we've ever seen that we can't begin to comprehend. We see what some sin can do to things, but a place that is all sin. We can't. We try to describe things. We kind of, I was talking to somebody this week, and you've heard me use the illustration before. Sometimes we try to describe something, how it tastes, and it seems to always taste kind of like chicken for some reason. We have to, you know, compare it. The fellow that I was talking to, you know, we were talking about this, and he said, yeah, he said, I asked a guy one time to describe to me in words what an apple tastes like. Can you try to do that? What does an apple taste like? You know, there is no word to describe exactly what an apple tastes like because an apple, it tastes like an apple. And even apples, it could be a Granny Smith, it could be a Gala, it could be a Red Delicious. There's all kind of different tastes there. But, you know, the simple thing is there's some things that our vocabulary cannot describe. It cannot explain. It cannot put into words. We serve a God that is so wonderful. He knew. He knew how tough the going would get sometimes. He knew how tough the battles would be. We can't begin to comprehend and understand, let alone explain the power that he's promising us right here in these verses. The strength that is his, that can be ours. He giveth power to the faint. We can't comprehend that. I mean, we see some pretty powerful things. But they're just a tiny bit. I don't care if it's a nuclear bomb going off. That's a tiny bit of power in one spot in comparison to all the power of the universe that's his. If you're struggling with strength, if you feel like you just, maybe you don't want to, but you feel like, you know, kind of like that, that person is hanging on to that, to that limb, you know, and, and, and he's hanging on the side of a mountaintop, but there's nothing, nothing, nothing but space and rocks below, and those rocks are a long ways down there. 
and he just feels like he can't hang on any longer. Feels like that, that grip is slipping. That's when the Lord will renew your strength. You're not having to trust in you hanging on. You're having to trust in how much strength the Lord has, not how much strength you have. But his hope was in the Word. His hope is in the promises of God. Wait upon the Lord. Don't, don't live in the moment and what your strength is and what you have. Don't expect it to be on your time schedule. Get out of the psych that we're all in and we're all guilty of. Wanting it now and your time schedule, I can't take another day of this. I can't handle this for another week. Realize that it's the Lord that's there. From your very being, spend your time with him, calling out to him from your very inner being, your soul, your heart, hoping in his word, his promises, truly knowing. If God says it, it can't be wrong. Wait upon the Lord. He'll renew your strength. But not only that, not only sometimes we feel weak, like we just can't hang on, sometimes we just feel like we don't know which way to go. We don't know the answer. We, 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 we need true guidance. Well, they that wait upon the Lord, they'll not only be strengthened, but they'll be schooled. Strengthened and schooled. Now, you know, People have all kinds of different opinions about school. Some people I've talked to, they hated every day they ever spent in school. Others loved it with a passion. Well, sometimes it's the same thing when we're before the Lord. <laughs> sometimes we really, really, really like what God's teaching us. Sometimes we just wish we weren't being taught. <laughs> we just assume, do I have to know that? <laughs> do I have to understand that? Well, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 25, 5, he said, lead me in thy truth and teach me. Why? For thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. We don't have all the answers. And there's sometimes that you won't know what to do. And you don't know how to handle the situation. You don't, you don't know, some, sometimes we can't even figure out what the, what the choices are, let alone which one to choose. It's a dilemma, and we're there sometimes because we're humans. I don't care how committed and how consecrated that you are as a Christian. You know the answer to everything. You're probably making those, those choices in your own wisdom and not God's anyway. You see, we need guidance every day of our lives. We need guidance. You know, I've, I've used this illustration. I know some of you may remember it is that have you ever looked back on your life at many of the choices that you have made? And have you ever thought about how little thought that you gave them at the time and yet how that one choice maybe changed the whole direction of your life? It can be something so simple as to whether you went here or whether you didn't go there whether you were at church at that particular service or whether you weren't. You know, we look back, and I, I can see so many times, so many choices that I made that were, at the time, they just never even entered my mind as being very important. And yet I look back at the total direction that that changed so much in my life. I'm just saying, folks, it's not just when we don't know what to do, 
The truth is we never know what to do without God. If we're trusting in our knowledge, all of our experience, you know, we have more at our fingertips today as far as getting the answers and getting the intellect than anybody in history. But that's man's intellect. That's man's wisdom. I don't think you ought to try to be dummies. You know, I think you ought to try to grab all that, that you can. But the thing is, recognize what's man's and what's God's. And I'm talking about here that we ought to be seeking God's guidance in every choice, in every decision, in everything that we do, the small and the big. God's there for us. He will guide us. How am I going to make it? How do I handle this situation? What choices do I have? What should I do? What direction should I go? They're questions we face all the time. But you know what? You don't need to guess. You don't need to take a chance with it. God knows what's over the horizon that you can't see. He knows what's around the corner that you can't see around. He knows what tomorrow holds and next week and next year. And he will teach you what you need to know. He knows what's ahead of you when you have no earthly idea. He says, on thee do I wait all the day. <laughs> when was the last time that you really needed to make a decision? And it wasn't a... 30-second, Lord, I, I really need to know what this police should want to do, and boom, and then you're off doing your own thing again. He said, I'm waiting on you all the day. I'm staying right here until I get an answer. I'm staying, God, I'm crying out to you, as, as David, I'm crying out to you with my soul, Lord. I know I don't deserve this, but I know about your forgiveness. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming to you in Jesus Christ. I'm coming to you on his merit, not mine. And I need to know what to do here. I need to know what choice to make. I need to know what my decision is going to be. Lord, if I have to, I'll be here till the dawn comes again tomorrow because I can't make this move without you. See, most of the time we don't have time to wait. We won't take time to wait. We just jump up and go at it. You know, I, I can remember, and I guess some people it sounds, you know, kind of crazy. I can, I can remember when I was a young man, as when I was a, 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 in my early teens and mid-teens and all through there, I, I can remember as a church when we had choices and decisions to make. You know what? I can remember having all night, literally all night prayer meetings. Everybody would gather when they got off work and would still be praying when the sun came up the next morning, seeking God's direction, seeking God to help in this matter. Psalmist said, Lord, I need to know your truth. I need you to teach me. I need to know what choice I need to make, what direction I need to go, whatever that it might be. I'm saying to you this evening, the word of God, the psalmist said, Lord, I'm trusting in you. My hope is in your word. If you wait upon the Lord, you will be strengthened because he says he will. If you wait upon the Lord, you will be schooled, you'll be taught, you'll be guided, whatever you want to call it, because the Lord's promised it. You've got the same hope that the psalmist did. 
And I want to give you one other one this evening. You see, waiting before the Lord, you'll be strengthened, you'll be schooled. I don't want to give you this third one. You'll be secured. You see, when I, when I begin to think about these things, well, I say, you know, in, in one sense, we stop and think, and I mean, you know, what problems do I have in my life? Well, on, on the one hand, I'm either feeling too weak to do what needs to be done, or I'm feeling like I don't really know what to do, or I'm feeling totally, completely insecure, like, man, is this going to work or not, or what are you... And I don't care what areas of our lives. This is not all that the Lord does for us, but this will cover any situation that you're in. If you've got his strength, if you've got his guidance, if you are secure in him, because that's the only place there's real security, we begin to feel our insecurities. We begin to lose hope. We begin to feel hopeless and helpless. But you see, even when your strength is gone, you may or may not know what to do. Problems are going to come. They are a part of life now, and they'll continue to be. I can promise you right now, I wish I could tell you different, but the enemy, Satan, will do everything that he can to defeat you. That's his job. You better believe he wants to defeat you. But the Lord is not short on strength. And the Lord is not short on wisdom. And he will defend all those that wait upon him. The psalmist said in Psalm 59, 9, because of his strength will I wait upon thee. Why? For God is my defense. I'm secure. I'm defending. God's the one that's defending me. I don't have to worry about all the men of this world, all the armies of this world. I don't have to worry about Satan himself because my defender is God himself. I am secure where I'm at in him because I'm in Jesus Christ. Insecurities can be a very, very uncomfortable thing. I want you to remember something about when this psalm was being written. When David was writing this psalm, Saul's men were watching his house to kill him. Saul's men were wanting to take his life and destroy him. They had set an ambush for David. Now, David could have panicked. He could have just went right head on out there in his own strength and took care of this thing himself. Why? Because he was commanding a lot of men. And he could have called those men to his aid. And he could have fought that battle by himself. But even though he had this strength that he commanded at this time, he knew that the only real strength was in the Lord. He knew that the only real move to make was the one that God wanted to make. He knew that he was secure in God because God was his defense. You see, sometimes... Sometimes you may feel like that you can handle the situation yourself and you may have it at your disposal to do so. But it's a very dangerous thing to do. And we could look at all kinds of illustrations in the Bible, particularly Israel that's being talked about here 
where they took matters into their own hands and did their own thing at their own peril. But David, he recognized, he recognized that the strength of Saul's men that were set against him, that they were formidable, but he realized also they were no match for his God. They were no match for the Lord. Lord, I'm waiting before you. <laughs> You're the one that's my security. I want to give you this illustration in closing. I don't know how many of you have ever read biographies. One of the most powerful things we find in some of those biographies are the effect that prayer had on many of their lives. I remember, for example, Almost any book that you read about George Miller, the one thing that will stand out above all else was his faith. Circumstances didn't matter. It didn't matter that they didn't have any food, that they didn't have any money to buy any food, and that they had all these kids, these orphans to feed. His hope was in the Lord's Word, not his own. And you can read time after time after time when you can call it coincidence as you want. But when that man waited on the Lord, and he went before the Lord, and he prayed out and turned that thing over to the Lord, and whether it was a, an orange cart breaking down out in front of the orphanage or what it might be, I remember that when Charles Spurgeon was asked what was the thing that made his preaching so different, so powerful, what was it about him as a man? Charles Spurgeon knew that it was nothing about him as a man. Matter of fact, one of the things you find about Charles Spurgeon, he had very little security in his own self. You know that a man that we look back on and that by many is called the prince of preachers? Do you know that many Sunday afternoons after he had left the pulpit and, and preached his heart out and God had, had worked in so many lives that he would go home with his head in his wife's lap crying because he had failed God so miserably in trying to preach that day? <laughs> When he was asked what the strength and power of his ministry was, <laughs> he said, there's one thing. You ever saw a picture of the Metropolitan Tabernacle, that platform that he used to stand and preach on from there? The five, 6,000 people, by the way, and they didn't have any of these. <laughs> they didn't have any amplification in those days. <laughs> but he stood there and preached. He said, the power is underneath me because the room below that platform was a prayer room. And when he was standing there preaching, it said that there was anywhere from two to 300 people that were underneath the platform praying the whole time, praying through the entire service, praying for God to do something on that platform through that man that was there. He knew it wasn't him. I don't know many, how many have maybe ever heard of an individual that was nicknamed Praying Hyde. Praying Hyde. I want to read you just a short ex excerpt in closing from, uh, from his book, which was entitled Praying Hyde. And it was about somebody else that was in his presence and the experience that he had. He said, at the Selcock Convention, the Europeans were accommodated in the dormitory of the mission boarding school, a long, narrow building, and our beds were placed so near each other that we had very little room to move about. The room was crowded between the services. My bed had been placed between Mr. Hyde and Dr. Griswold's beds, but 
I noticed that Hyde's bed had, had not been occupied at all. Hyde spent his time in the prayer room. But one morning, he rushed in and went down on his knees by the side of his bed. This was in the early morning, soon after dawn. I went to have early breakfast, and I came back, and I found him still praying. I went out again, and I came back about 12.30 and lay down on my cot to rest and to watch him. I went to the afternoon service. I went to tea. And then I went to the 5 o'clock service. And coming into the dormitory each time before going to a fresh service, at 6 o'clock he was still on his knees. And he had been there all day. I had an hour to wait until dinner, and I determined to watch him. And if, and if he rose from his knees, I was going to ask him how it was possible for him to remain quiet the whole day and to pray while there was so much noise and commotion and everything going on around him, people coming in, people going out the whole time. It says in half an hour or so, he looked up and smiled. I sat on his bed. Now ask him, what was the secret of all this? I also asked him to allow me to get him a cup of tea, but he refused tea and asked for just a glass of water. Then he said, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I've just seen. He said, I have seen a new vision of Christ like never before. His face as he spoke seemed to just be illuminated. He had come truly from the very presence of the Lord and I shall never forget his words. They gave me a new outlook, a new vision of Christ. And as he spoke to me, I, I couldn't hold back the tears. At the time, I felt that it just could not be true. That Jesus surely never suffered this much for me. But as Hyde lifted Christ up before me, I had to believe in my heart. And everything in my heart went out to Christ in love and gratitude such as I'd never felt before. Also in shame and sorrow for that sin like never before. My sin that had brought Jesus so low into such suffering. He said that vision of my dear Savior that day is still before me. How I wish I could repeat it as Hyde brought me step by step to see Christ that evening. Now, I know that we have a lot of people talking about seeing all kinds of things when most of the time they've just eaten too much spaghetti or something. He's not talking about a new vision from God here in that way. He's talking about a man that has spent so much time in the presence of God that, boy, when he came out of that presence, Brother Steve, the presence of Christ was on him in such a way that this other Christian had just never seen Christ so real. You see, the problem is a lot of times we want Christ to be seen through us. We want to be like him, but we don't want to spend the time with him. <laughs> this man had spent a whole day in the presence of God in prayer, and that affected the person that was next to him. You see, your life is going to affect the lives around us, and so many times we want to have positive effects. The thing that when I read that, I began to grasp and understand, you know, how many times? And I try to look back myself, and I have to ask my time, myself the question sometimes. Because, you see, 
There are those times when being in the presence of the Lord is so real. I've described it like this before. There, there are those times when, when being in the presence of God that everything else was shut out so much that I honestly believe the building could have fell down around my head and I wouldn't have known it. <laughs> so many times, you know, he's, how, how could he pray like that and, 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 and not be disrupted by all the noise and all the things going on around him? Because he was waiting before the Lord. He was in the presence of God himself. He'd gone there like the psalmist with all of his heart, crying out to God, not because of who he was or what he deserved, recognizing all of his failings and shortcomings and sins, but recognizing the forgiveness that was his, that same forgiveness that's yours today in Jesus Christ. Well, listen, I know it can be tough, and I know it can be discouraging, and that's why I said maybe I'm preaching to me more than anybody. You know, some of you have heard me say it before. I honestly believe since I, my strength was renewed when I recommitted my life to the Lord at 21 years old, I've never, ever seriously contemplated in any way turning my back on God again. I, I, I know what that was like, and that's not an option. But... Have I ever thought about throwing in the towel as far as pastoring? <laughs> Have I ever thought about packing it in and doing something else? I like what the one pastor said one time when he was asked that question, said, have you ever thought about quitting? He said, only on Monday mornings, <laughs> only on Monday mornings. You know, so many times there are things that can discourage us, and we all can get to those times when we just honestly feel like, I don't have the strength to go on. I can't do this anymore. I can't hang on anymore. I don't know what to do. I don't know what else to do. You know, somebody else can surely do a better job than what I'm doing. I don't, I don't have the answers anymore. We can get to that point to where we don't feel secure in anything that we're doing. Sometimes. We just need to wait on the Lord. We need to wait before him. We've got to get through to him because when we wait before him, he will renew our strength. He will school us, guide us, teach us those things we need to know, and he will be our security. We can be secure in him and knowing I'm safe. Maybe it looks like the whole world is blowing up around me, but I'm safe in him. You know, we've sang a couple of those old hymns earlier. <laughs> we are safe. We are secure in the cleft of the rock <laughs> in Jesus Christ himself. Father, I thank you this evening, Lord. And Lord, just the simplicity of this psalm, the psalmist crying out from his very soul within, crying out to you, recognizing that he he couldn't expect anything on his own merit. He didn't deserve anything. Oh, but he knew. He knew. He knew if you were marking him for his iniquities, he had no hope, but he knew about forgiveness. And Lord, today, we thank you. Lord, we couldn't even approach your throne except by your forgiveness, except by the righteousness of Jesus Christ.
And Lord, as we come there, we recognize and realize as he did that, Lord, if we'll wait upon you, if we'll wait before you, you will strengthen us. You'll school us. You'll give us the security that we need. Lord, we can, we can have absolute assurance in that because our hope is in you and your word. I pray that you'd help us this evening. Help us not to look at the circumstances, look at the difficulties, look at all the things that we could be discouraged about and cause us to th throw up our hands. The devil wants to keep us miserable. He wants to keep us ineffective. And I pray this evening, help us. Help us as the psalmist did to come before you from the very depths of our being, to put our hope in you and know that whatever we're facing, wherever we are, you'll be strong enough. You'll have the answer to all the questions that we don't have. Lord, you'll be our defense. We are secure in you, and we can count on that because our security is for all of eternity. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.